Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hold on, I've got one more. I'm sorry you guys can't go. But Marjorie Taylor Greene, the, like, cute idiot. Oh, we know who that is. She wore a face mask that said Molon Labe. Are you fucking kidding me? Um, Oh, my God. What a fucking hardo. Ask and answered, counselor. I'm sorry. Do do they not have past tense? Do do they not have those face masks in past tense? In the words of the Punisher, all you need is love. (laughs) <laughs> i love that i love the thing she's how about, wearing... how about moron lab come and take it i don't think you, i don't think you okay. believe in this i don't think you believe in the second amendment unless you eat your salad with a gun that's all i'm saying yeah why do you worship the spartans they were fucking losers <laughs> no no let's unpack this come they're on a, they're a very seven and five team they're the most <laughs> seven and five fucking team. Xerxes ain't played no. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what That's I see? That's how they said it too. Don't at me. Xerxes. They're like, Jason, what? you do it. We only had like 120 people and we held off. the. I'm sorry. I see poor roster management. That's yeah. what I see. Yeah. I see you've lost the locker room. Yeah. Bad that curtain. sounds like an FCS team. It's Mike Leach. Yeah. Yo, we Bet all you can take your Molin Lavia back to hell. God. On that note. Where you came from. <laughs> Sorry, you can't spell Plutarch without L.
to the Shutdown Fullcast. You are listening to the Internet's only college football podcast. If you want another one, Lo Siento, y- you don't have any other options. You can listen to the podcast. This is the only Take college. that shit to the Biblioteca. Yeah. <laughs> you can walk that on down past La Piscina, past La Playa, and you can go in and say K-Ora S and don't install a Biblioteca because we are also... Can you not even fake an accent? Elementary. God damn, gringo ass no, motherfucker. I just, uh, oh, oh, Peggy. Let's hear from it, Peggy. <laughs> yeah, no, don't. Come on, why don't, you, why don't you lay we're them trace tacos that. on we're me? Not, we're not doing that. Come on, come on. <laughs> yeah. Both of y'all speaking Spanish sound like my mom at the cantina bell. Let me, let me, let me hear you, Mr. <laughs> I just got back from six weeks in Barcelona. Oh, I'm sorry. Barcelona. Barcelona. That's Castilian Barcelona. Spanish, and it's different, okay? You're hanging, you're hanging hams in your and dorm room. And in Barcelona, room. they mostly speak Basque, I think. Anyway, so fuck you. <laughs> uh, um, Ryan, it's called jamón. Sorry. No, it's not a nap that made me late for work. It's a siesta. Man, can siesta culture please invade? Like uh, among all the taco trucks on every corner and lesbians marrying box turtle things that we were promised with this election. Uh, can I please get an invasion of siesta culture in this country? I mean, in the work For from home, personally. in the work from home uh, nature of the last year, it's here. I would argue. Did I watch the title game from my bed, sobbing the entire time? Mind your own business. <laughs> Mind your business, lady. Keep it walking. Mm. Yeah, that's that is that is my favorite thing. I saw a clip of Bobby Flay. That I found this week on TikTok of him going. So uh, last year I, I I dropped everything and I lived for six weeks in Rome. And Bobby Flay is indistinguishable from a second year student who got the study abroad pass and came home and was like, you know, the locals call it aroma. Mm-hmm. Like he was completely into. He's like, yeah, this is my coffee shop, and this is my other coffee shop. We do super Italian things here, at the bar where I drink beer. Did you study abroad, Ryan? Yeah, but I don't want to talk about that. That shit's boring. Well, oh no, 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 no. Well, uh, let's peel back this late layer of all that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yes, I, I study. <laughs> I studied. Shit, yes. I yes, studied abroad in Florence. Ah! Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, oh. that's awesome. No, that's yeah. Really I don't. Awesome. I don't, I'm sorry. I'm not making fun of that. It sounds incredible. I did end up at one point sleeping in a train station, so that was fun. Just like Roger Sherman. Yeah, it he was. I had. It was very Just Roger like Sherman. Roger Sherman now. I mean, yeah. On that trip, I slept. Hey, Bill, uh, pay your employees. It, <laughs> I slept in a train station and I slept on a rock in the middle of a cove. It was a very large. Define rock. on a rock. Um, this is in one of the towns of the Cinque Terre, uh, which is these five little villages along the like northwestish corner of the boot. Um, and we, me and a couple of friends who were also on the study abroad trip, we were like, let's go there. But this was in uh, like 2004. So your ability to plan things out was pretty limited, especially if you were a college boy and you already had limited planning abilities. So we were like, well, let's just show up and then we'll figure out housing. Along the way, we ran into, um, we met like a couple of girls on a bus who we like had a good time talking to and hung out with them. 
And then the five of us or whatever met some, I think, American Air Force guys Mm -hmm. who were there on leave and they had a house. Now, there was no, there were no hotels, there were no motels, there was nothing that even seemed to be open at like eight in the evening when we got there. But we met these, these troops and we were like, oh, they seem cool. And they're like hanging and drinking with us. Maybe they will let us crash with them. That was true for the two girls. The three of us slept in the harbor. Yeah. <laughs> in the harbor. Doing an important like job, though. Yeah. You were you were guarding the troops by sea. That's true. Yes. We, we had the watch. invasion. That's yeah. right. Yeah. You said you, you fellas got the skies. We got the seas. Yeah. Dude, you were like Odysseus. You just washed up. That's so Mediterranean mythic of you. Yep. And uh, and then I went to hell. Yeah. Is that where it that's, is? That's also a very <laughs> <laughs> It's in the Cayman Islands, and you can send a postcard from it that says, I've been to hell. I So yeah, study it, abroad. There it is. Did did you come back? Did you come back with a little something something? For the nabobs who didn't get to go to Italy, like like a, be, like a be, gift. Be honest. No, you know some airs. No, the opposite. Oh, yeah. No, not really. It's a pretense. Like, look, no. look. I get, I get oh, what I you're saying. Airs like kids. I get what you're saying, but this was a this was a multi university um, thing that was happening in Florence. It included the University of Florida, FIU, and USF. So, like, you take that is a that, lot to unleash on Italy. Only right, FIU so you, should really be there. They're the only inter, <laughs> truly international university in Florida. So I guess what I'm saying is like the group that, that that was there was not really predisposed to let's be hoity-toity, let's like stick up our pinkies. and sh-. Like we had a good time and we did like some of us did cultural things. Some people were just like, we can drink here and nobody can stop us in the street. Um, but no, it was not. It was not conducive to come back and pretend to be a changed person. I would imagine with those universities that you go and come back to Florida and your fellow students are like, dude, you missed out on the sickest rager. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, like the, 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 the FOMO is in reverse of what it would probably be uh, were at different universities. Also, I want to point out that FIU stands for Florida Italian University. Oh, yes, it does. Shit. That's true. Los Panteros. <laughs> That's Spanish. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to say the best place you've like you slept in a harbor. I know the best place that I have seen Holly Anderson fall asleep oh, in public. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Absolutely, it, it was a long time ago. Which is after something like a thirty-six-hour bender in Las Vegas. Seventy-two-hour bender. Something in Las like Vegas. I don't know. Some blackjack switch was your idea, and I was like twenty-five. Yeah. It was fine, and I was like 53 at the time. Yes. But, you know, it was a young 53, not like now. <sighs> and I looked over, and you had fallen asleep in public in the middle of the uh, median, like the, the sort of grassy knoll. That grass is very soft. Outside of Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas. You'd fallen asleep in a sundress, just face down. I don't think that was voluntary either. I think you were okay one minute. It was not voluntary. (laughs) By by the way, middle of the day in Las Vegas. So sunlight was an issue. This was also the trip where I was wearing heels the entire time. And you were like, we can walk to the stratosphere. Then you made me go to Circus Circus. I miscalculated. 
which is full of clowns, which I'm afraid of. And you know, do you know when our friendship was cemented? Would you like to know when our relationship dynamic was fully cemented? Sure. It was you, me, and Kanu. You guys were both sick. Uh, you were half drunk and half out of your mind on Tylenol brand cough syrup, which is all we could find in the gift shop. It was delicious. And when I realized I was being pulled towards the entrance of Circus Circus, I just stopped. I balked like a moo cow. And you took my elbow and you looked in my eyes and I'll never forget what you said. You said, Holly, you're going to get through this and you're going to do something you don't want to do because you're outnumbered. Yeah. Spoken like a true graduate of the University of Florida. Yeah, I got to be honest. I assumed I assumed when you walked in the Circus Circus, they just handed you cough syrup. That, that is not fair. A, not enough. This was before the remodel of Circus Circus and when half of the floor was still filled with like poorly taxidermied raccoons. Oh, cool. And this is after he made me walk to the stratosphere in heels. It was a little so, bit. So yeah, by Sunday, I was sleeping face down at three in the afternoon in a grassy median. It was her time. Maybe. What if that was Holly's time? What if that's how Holly was supposed to go and she's I just been lingering? I my time. Yeah. And she just missed Damn. the window? God, yeah. that explains a lot. Anyway, thank you for bringing that back. Yeah. Now she's a day, now she's a day Now she's a daywalker trapped between life and death. Oh my god, that was like a that was like 2009. Why were we there? You're like Blade, but from East Tennessee. I'm like Blade in a lot hey, of ways. That's true. Hey, Holly pays her taxes. I do. Yeah. Not happily though. No. <laughs> it's like not like lately, all daywalking no. vampires. But my taxes are going so well. Look around us. This hey, is, speaking of state-funded endeavors. Before we talk about the national title game, I thought we might want to get into the immensely successful reign of Steve Sarkeesian, head coach at Texas. I think it's fine. How long did we get before Steve Sarkeesian committed a massive unforced error? The title game hasn't been over for 24 uh, hours now. And at the time when this went down, the title game actually hadn't started 24 hours prior. I I'm going to take issue with the idea of unforced. Mm. Cuz what well, you are like it so an unforced error is it you know in strict tennis terms is you get a hittable ball back and you fuck it up. You push it wide, you push it long, you hit it in the net. Like you didn't flail and miss, you didn't like die for a ball that was hard to get to. You you just fucked up and nothing there was no reason that had to happen. That's the rough definition of it. That is not what happened to Steve Sarkeesian. I think it was because there's an easy answer. <laughs> okay. There it is. You just put it back when somebody says, hey, what are you going to do about the eyes of Texas thing? You say this. Not 24 hours after taking the job, you say, well, I'm aware that it's controversial and I'm going to have to discuss this with my players before I come to any sort of decisions on what That's we not do. what the money wants to hear and that's why it's not unforced. Yeah. That's what why it's am I not doing unforced. If, once you what find am I yourself doing in public? Once you're Steve Sarkeesian and you find yourself behind the Longhorn Network microphone in front of the Texas Longhorn branding, you have already answered this question, have you not? Mm -hmm. You have yeah, already mm -hmm. agreed to the people who are paying your salary what your answer because will be, whether you have you. conferred with the athletes uh, or not. I mean, like so the question—the question was answered when he took the job. Yes, I don't know. Based on like, based on how it went with how based on how it went with Herman, we can absolutely state that he would not have been at that microphone without having already given that answer to the Texas wallets. Also, Spencer, I like the idea of continuing the Texas or the tennis analogy and striking it back at them. So when they say, coach, what are you going to do about the eyes of Texas? He says, 
I don't know. What are you going to do about the eyes of Texas? Next question. That would have been a better answer. That sure. would have been a much better answer. Look, look, I agree that there are better there are better answers out there, but unforced error makes it sound like he just stumbled into it, and that is not the situation. Like, listen, Steve Sarkeesian's going to stumble into plenty of bad decisions, I suspect, as head Unfor- coach of the Texas Longhorns. Uh, I think I think what Jason's trying to get at, which is what I'm also trying to get at, is that the f- the f- error that was unforced happened before he even got in the room. This was the evidence of a previous error. This was the echo of yeah. the unforced error. What do like, you say as a public figure when confronted with a thorny issue in a public also, forum? Also, you don't use the word fucking controversial because if that's controversial to you, that is in itself a problem. To be fair, it's not what he said. This is what Steve Sarkeesian said. I know this much. Oh, yeah. What he said was worse. I know this much. The Eyes of Texas is our school song. We're going to sing that song. We're going to sing that proudly. says that he knows that there are tough discussions that need to happen. But, and I quote, that's our song, and we're fired up to sing it. Quote, we, we, we have gotten a hell of a workout. <laughs> so, we are so tired. Here's, here's all you got to do. Now, if, you're on the, if you are on the other side of this and you don't want the Eyes of Texas to be sung, just all, all he said was... It's our school song, therefore we are singing it. Use this logic against him. Make my neck my back the Texas the school song of the Texas Longhorns. Is it possible we refers to Steve and Bevo? <laughs> That's ah. Bevo. Steve, oh Bevo, Bevo, Bevo doesn't know the lyrics. Bevo cannot read a history book. Bevo doesn't know what any of this shit means. Bevo just likes noises. It's Bevo and Stevo, not Adam and Evo, y'all. <laughs> Guys, Bevo okay. might not even understand the concept of Texas. No, no, Bevo's be- good for Bevo. Are you wait? <laughs> that's, why Be- Bevo, that's why Bevo. That's why rests happily a at sovereign night. citizen. Yeah, yes, Bevo that well. is correct. Is Bevo is Bevo a city state within Texas? A huge uh, I, I walking guess. city state. Unto I keep trying to say I keep trying to say Bevo as a she, and I recognize that it's not Shivo, but I almost want to do it just to bring back my favorite ever rejoinder of Jason's. Nuh-uh, it's a boy cow. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> To all the Texas fans who got mad at us the last time we <coughs> said it was a cow. I'm it not, is. It's a very large cow. How am I supposed to know all those cow science terms like bull and steer? <laughs> those are those are obviously technical terms. I mean, why do we need to act like they're different species? They're all cows, right? Mm-hmm. Aren't we all cows? Aren't we all cows in the eyes of the Lord? In the yes. Lord's eyes, we all have multiple stomachs. Yes. You know... The mouth is a kind of primitive stomach, yeah, That's if you want to put true. it that way. It's not true. Sack is, you know, uh, a cavity is a cavity. Oh, God. God. Wow. This is, this is... What, do you think God, God, God has speaking God's of, made so, speaking of God's errors. Made so many, God, <laughs> Seriously. God's made so many animals. Do you think he remembers the design? He's probably looking at people and he's are like, are you trying to tell hey, me you're God? Sark. Is this why you think sharks are mammals and reindeer are dogs? You think, I bet he's Sark, so confused. listen, he's buddy. Like, why you want to do that? You want to know how to how to how to speak in public correctly? Just listen listen to Spencer. He's got the good the good ideas for you. Do as I say, not as I do. Spencer, what say. is the most complex biological phenomenon you could explain at this point of the human body? Um, I think I could do a pretty decent virus and antibodies one if you gave me a second to make sure, that, like, to look up and make sure I had my. My my all, all my proper nouns right. Okay, okay, we are putting you in charge of some shit. Yeah, <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> the answer's you, uh... been here the whole time. God damn it! 
Yeah, can you? I also uh, think I'm probably. I don't even know where unique. to send you because all federal <laughs> buildings are compromised. So, I'm probably not unique in that too because I think anybody who's more than four years out from basic high school biology probably has a really basic primitive understanding of how their own body works by name, right? You probably have a good intuitive sense of what's happening, but you could not describe what is happening at all. Okay. Like you're, you're, you, you can, you like you evaluate the effects really well. And then if somebody says, well, what's the cause of that? You'd be clueless. You'd have no idea. Cool. Right. That's like when somebody like passes out and you go, Oh man, you passed out. That's so weird. What, what's wrong? Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, I was walking a, around with surprise. Spencer for three days in heels in Las Vegas. Correct. That's what Correct. happened. You could do that. Think, right? or, and it turns out the body doesn't like that. I was 25. I didn't know how to hydrate. <laughs> I think spending all this it's time true. watching sports has given me a greater sense of the human body. You know, like, ah, it hurts right here. I have a sports hernia. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like you, you, you learn a lot of body terms from sports. That's right. That was definitely my ACL brought, just just then. It's popped. Has it brought the term, are you injured or are you hurt, into any of your parenting circles? 100%, yeah. You have to do that because my boys are soccer players by nature. Italian soccer players? Or? Yeah. Ah! See, I swing, the op- I swing the opposite way, and I'm like, phew, I guess we got to go to the hospital. And that usually filters out the real from the fake pretty well. Oh, It'll be so time. boring there. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till you see the paperwork. I, I cannot really sort of like... I wanted to ask Jason, do you have injury hubris? Where you, where you basically have taken some sports injury that happened and go oh it's got to be this the sports thing when in fact it's something much less glamorous or uh interesting and with zero valor where you go like one time i i woke up and i was like ow thought i hurt my shoulder turns out i just slept on it wrong which oh, is we've told this story you you fell asleep i've done this face multiple times be- wait the beanbag thing happened more than once yeah but i only went to the hospital thinking i was having a heart attack once <laughs> And it turns out I'd slept in a beanbag wrong. This is great. Right? My doctor, who told me that, by the way, University of Michigan grad, go blue. Mm. And I've done this multiple times. And every single time, I'm like, yeah, I probably heard it weightlifting or something. They're like, do you sleep weird? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was like throwing, I was throwing around the pigskin with somebody. And they're like, yeah, well, it probably wasn't that. I think the you problem is that I'm too strong. I'm too strong and too cool. Also, you sleep like they... you've been dropped from a great height. Yeah. Yeah. The, so, um, the sports hernia thing that I don't know if I've, I'm sure I have, I don't, I can't recall one right now, but the sports hernia one, that was my brother-in-law. He had a regular hernia that he referred to as the sports hernia. Just plain old, nor- oh, he tried, he tried. Why you got to bring a football into this? <laughs> the, like, uh, hernia oh, sports be, hernia. Hernia should be very specific. You should be able to say, yeah, I have a you sex hernia. You should be able hernia. to put any hobby in front of, okay, you beat me to it. I was going to say, you yeah. should be able to put any hobby in front of that. That's a whoa, gaming hernia. Whoa, oh, it's my whoa. needle point sciatica. Shit. Here's, here's, a fucked up, here's a fucked up thing. Straight from the Johns Hopkins medicine site, despite its name of sports John hernia. Wick Hopkins is, or? No, no, we'll get to that. Okay. Despite its name of sports hernia is not actually a hernia. The condition's true name is athletic Pubalgia. It's still athletic, though. Yeah, that's that is. True. true. Yeah. So it's still yeah. a still badge of honor. Better than unathletic pubalgia. Yeah, I have a masculine hernia. It's extremely masculine. I have artistic pubalgia. I have reading pubalgia. I'm just gonna start putting gaming in front of different injuries. <laughs> yeah, you got gamers. 
got a gaming hernia. He's got a gamer shin. He's got gamer's knee. I got online toe. Oh, God. That's the worst one. It just don't won't shut up. <laughs> don't post it. <laughs> yeah, I really have, have like online this one toe. toe that won't log off. Oh, yeah. Man, isn't that what restless leg syndrome is? Your legs won't log off. Damn. Yeah. What if you have tor- What if you have torpid legs? Oh man, I got online legs. Yeah, you're it, Holly is the exact opposite. By the way, when she is sick, she's like, I don't know. I mean, I think it's like a little sinus thing. And I'm like, Yeah, you you have a screwdriver embedded in your forehead. I have no idea how that happened. This. Look, I I have no retorts to that because you have taken me to the hospital. She's from nights. Oak Ridge. Yeah. Like, come on, that's where you, this is. This no. has landed me. No, I will, I will cop to this. This has landed me in trouble more than once uh, by thinking that I am probably fine. Okay, here's the thing. I get this directly from my mother, who's probably listening to this podcast at this point. Oh, Hi, no. mom. Sorry. Uh, we are cats in my family when we don't feel good we're gonna go out in the woods and either come back fine or die and we don't want to talk to anybody about it or deal with it and uh sometimes this can result in uh you just getting better on your own and sometimes you think you can knock your kneecap back in by yourself and it turns out that's not necessarily true especially if you're not left-handed are you mel gibson in lethal weapon Yes, yeah. without any of the good parts, but also none of the anti-Semitism. Sure, right. Sunrise, sunset. Riggs. Yeah. Actually, no, wait. No, I'm not Mel Gibson. I'm I'm Danny Glover. Come on, man. Do you know who I hang out with? Don't do it. Spencer, don't do it. His hair isn't you. that good. I, I see you. Don't do it. Am I the fat Mel Gibson? That's, yeah. Ooh. The fat. <laughs> Riggs. I, no, God damn it. Don't do the voice. Riggs. Riggs. This Are you Santa Mel Gibson? Riggs. <laughs> yeah. Santa. Riggs. <laughs> Santa. Santa Riggs. Santa. Yeah. But yeah, I I have the opposite problem and do not seek medical care past the point when I probably definitely should seek medical care. Little note on lethal weapon, by the way. Male R R slash male living spaces. I thought you were going to say male Gibson, and no. I was like, did you just channel your mother? Yeah. The the sub the subreddit of. Mail. Of extremely masculine living spaces, meaning empty rooms that just have a PlayStation and a, a lawn chair in them with an air mattress. Uh, the ultimate, the pinnacle of our male living spaces aesthetic is Mel Gibson's trailer in Lethal Weapon that's on the beach and has a trapdoor he built for his dog. No, that's way too well decorated and well stocked to be one of those dudes. Yeah, but that's if you want like the high point of that particular that is the apex of the form but it is far it is not the main or the median no definitely not but but he's on like a beach in malibu on a trailer (laughs) definitely not allowed to be there either no Mm -hmm. no not at all but every dude that's in in things in movies that are bait if you're a dude watching that movie and you're like that's sick he's got a trailer on the beach And he only lives there with his dog, and it's really poorly insulated. Fucking no dad. Do- dad doesn't get I'm it. Dad doesn't get me. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm watching this movie, and I'm like, imagine the smell. It'd be so bad. Just it would just smell like. Imagine the smell. It'd just be beer farts. You're beer never going to get the chili. farts out of that upholstery, and that upholstery doesn't come loose. Yeah, he's got like that in a sick. Not until it's shot up by helicopters. That in a sick truck and ghost in his mind. It's the perfect lifestyle. It's so romantic. What do you think he eats? Chili out of a can. He is Ooh. seen eating a burger and a hot dog at one point. He eats when he's at the, when he's at, um, 
his partner's house, right? And I think that's the only time you see him eat. The rest of the time, he's drinking beer at like 9.30 in the morning and firing up like Marlboros. That's it. And is in peak physical condition. This this is the story of a very damaged man. I mean... Lethal weapon? What? (laughs) (laughs) Trying to say it's a story built on trauma? No. I feel like Dana Holgerson was like, I'm going to do that. And now he's like, oh, dang it. It didn't work. None of it worked. Why am I well, not ripped? Not yet. He's just, he's just now aging into the part. <laughs> I should have like a six pack. I live in a trailer on the beach. Fuck. Instead, I'm living in Houston. I'm 40 pounds overweight. And the Get hair the blocking sled over here. It. I'm going to spin kick it. Yeah. <laughs> That's my workout. Three spin kicks, a six pack. Quick, dislocate my shoulder. It's going to be awesome. Don't go to the hospital. Yeah. I'll go to the hospital. Imagine if Dan Holgerson pulled you off of the top of a building. This is the first time I can say Nick Saban looks like he is exactly 69 years old. He looks like a man who is sick of not just your shit, but the collective shit of the world. That lighting, just, is, gar- that lighting is garbage as well. Yeah, it's doing him no favors. It yeah. is. but Actually, I got to correct you there. There are no weird shadows on him. It's too bright, but he's yes. ringlet. It, but like it's, looks, it's, it looks w- like they've got a ringlet light up there, but it is definitely too bright and too way close too to bright. Face. Yes, he looks like when you when you shine a flashlight into the engine block of your car looking for a possum, and you and find the possum it, looks back. Yeah, yeah, that's what its eyes look like. Just as angry too. This is the guy who just won his seventh national title. But he was he, he was positively yeah, he giddy. was happy he was happy at halftime. And he yeah. was happy now after he's the game. to the point where these questions are interfering with him recruiting. He doesn't need to recruit. I, they already ha- they've already locked up the number one class. I guess he can recruit for next year. The, the twenty twenty. Yeah, are you calling him a quitter? Year. Yeah. Wow. I actually think him being happy at halftime was him processing early and ahead of schedule so he could get the emotions out of the way. Oh, that's, oh, yeah, that's probably the, what that it is. Yeah. The face you're looking at here is emotional hangover. Like this is I, like seeing somebody after a really good wedding. Where oh, it's like, what hey. did I feel last night? Yeah, where it's like, hey, hey, you just got married. Did you have fun? It's like, yeah, it was fucking great. You look like you're not happy. It's just emotional hangover. That's all. I like the idea that he um, just went ahead and scheduled himself. His entire 2021 vacation was that five minutes before halftime. I'm just going to mm-hmm. knock this shit out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> or that the actual look that he's giving this camera after they destroyed a really good Ohio State team in the national title game. The look he's giving here is a self-critical look where he's thinking, can't believe I let myself have fun. So ashamed that I was happy. Can't let that show again. They took pictures and everything. There was a smile. There was hugging. And it was public. And I'm going to have to feel bad about that. We saw Nick. Yeah. Everyone saw me be happy. Everyone saw. I'm going to float something else out there. What if this is what he enjoys and we are just watching a man uh, marinate in his beloved pastime? What if this is high energy, uh, this is this is high intensity interval training for him of the psyche? It's like I've never felt so alive. And we're just seeing a warrior at the peak of form. Nah, probably not. No, I think he's probably already thinking about the 2022 class. Absolutely. That's where he's at. And he should be. This You're not is, getting any younger, Nick. TikTok. This is the closest thing I've seen to the dad in billions saying, I'm not going to die. 
Nick Saban's going to win another seven national titles. You think he's a Michael Bolton fan? Yeah. And I think that he thinks that one important principle of his program is to never turn away from your fans, to lock them in with steel bars of love and affection, and to make sure they understand what happens and what needs to happen when you walk in that facility. And that the thing he would say, if he could look at football, was, how am I supposed to live without you? That's how much a part of it is. Um, I had to do a hard thing about, I don't know, a month ago. I had to go to homefieldapparel.com, and I had to browse their Florida State collection. This is a thing I didn't want to do for obvious reasons. Um, I love Homefield's products. I have plenty of Homefield products that uh, sweatshirts, t-shirts from schools that I, I've never attended. I've never even visited. Wouldn't even like, I don't know that I would tell people out in the world like, yeah, I'm a Rice Owls fan. I, I don't have anything against Rice, but I don't think I'm necessarily signing up for that ride. But I had to go find a Florida State piece of clothing um for my sister-in-law because she's who i drew in our sibling gift exchange this year and and like the world is a big place and there are other places that i could have gone to get a gift i didn't have to uh buy my sister-in-law the florida state fan a florida state hoodie but like how could I? What what other option would have there have been that would have been superior to that? Why would I punish this good person in my family just because going to look at the interesting and unique designs that happen to be associated with the Florida State Seminoles on HomeFieldApparel.com is painful to me? Like I had to swallow that and I had to deal with that. But the good news is I got to follow that experience. By going and look at all the other schools that aren't Florida State on homefieldapparel.com, which, I don't know, Holly, would you say there are 100 non-Florida State schools on offer? Uh, several, at least. So, like, that was, that was such a palate cleanser. Adding new schools all the time. Uh, adding new designs all the time. And most importantly, national championship. Homefield school. Ohio State, not a home field school. It's hard. You know, you see these things and you just sort of say, like, mm, I don't know. Is home field magic real? Yeah. Is home field magic real? Maybe. Like, you don't have to believe in it, but whew, if it bites you in the ass, you're going to really regret you that. You better respect you? it. You should respect <laughs> home field magic. Um, you can get 20% off that full respect when you use offer code FULLCAST uh, on your first order. And, like, I don't know. The weather, certainly in Tennessee, and from talking to Holly in Georgia, has been very uh, stay-at-home, wear a sweatshirt, talk to no one. Is that roughly fair? Oh, absolutely. That's why we do this podcast. That's right. Podcasting is probably a pretty good sign of seasonal depression or just like full-blown depression. But mm-hmm. you can, you can combat that in a small way by going to get something cozy, cuddly, colorful, comfortable from our friends at homefieldapparel.com connor i did my best not to embarrass you in the ad read i hope i did a good job you know what would really complete this though is uh some sweatpants where are the pants connor how much would you price those pants for if you were uh, well, setting the market 
So this is five hundred dollars. If I were Connor at this point, I would do it and make them three hundred. Five hundred dollar joggers. We have absolutely fucking earned the inability to purchase these at this point. Well, let's see. Divided by three hundred. So in my Acorns savings account. Yes. Uh, I let this thing cook and matriculate until age eighty-three. That's as high as it goes. Apparently, that's when I'm dying. Spoiler alert. Hey, it's good to know. Uh, it's great to know because I will be able to cash out on my deathbed for a lucrative pile of 446 pairs of home field apparel Shit. doggers. Bury me my, in these pants. Bury me beneath these pants. <laughs> Bur- bury me uh, like a pyramid. Entomb me with all the pants. I'm taking my pile of pants to the afterworld across the river of pants. Acorns.com slash fullcast to begin your retirement savings account or just general savings. Retirement's a fancy word. You can start with a $5 boost from your friends at slash fullcast. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a very easy way to uh, just watch the money slowly pile up without any effort, without any wisdom, without any knowledge. Just money in, line up. And eventually, you can afford pants. You're like a sim. Thank you. I was going to make a joke about the ferryman on the river sticks, but let's just keep it moving. Like he would. That's what the he's for. Of, <laughs> I, need, I, need, Damn I, need, it. I need to know what he's charging so I can get my Acorns up, account folks. devoted solely to dying and having enough money to Next, get the ferryman. Next, folks, come oh, on. A, Step on the fucking boat. A, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Walk. Do walk. Know, walk. Do you There's know room. How many up people? front. Up it's front. Like, pack it in. Pack it in. Pack it now in. I, now I'm picturing. It's like eight, trying eight. to get people off the off Marta at the SEC championship game. Everyone, scooch. Everyone on three, scooch to the right. We're it gonna says one, two. Georgia World Congress Center. <laughs> if that's where you're going, get off the train. This says stadium. Is this it? Also, cannot- you're dead. I cannot wait to get to the River Sticks, and it comes out, and he's like, "Welcome to this duck boat." We do tours every day. Here's a little duck quack whistle as you enter the underworld that is the afterlife and potentially your spell in purgatory. I need you to blow on the quack whistle with me because, like a little ducky, we're on the river. Let's blow, folks. Quack. Thank you. Thank you. I wanted to talk about this quote from Najee Harris that may be my favorite quote from any athlete ever post-game. I don't think I've ever seen... An athlete say anything that was just like this honest and revealing and relatable and relatable, which was this one of Ohio State's uh, more colorful beat reporters asked, Ohio State has a really good front. How are you able to expose those holes so effortlessly? Oh, boy. Yeah. First of all, expose those holes. Let's just revisit that little bit of verbiage. Let's not use it again. Najee Harris said effortlessly you didn't see what they was doing they was blowing my ass up what you talking about it wasn't effortlessly i tell you what they did their brain bro to be honest with you it was just you know what they did is every time we did a play action they just shot the gaps shot the gaps the linebackers we got a couple of them to play a lot of fakes that's why we're able to throw so many bubbles and slants and all that but bro they was blowing my ass out you tripping it was not easy i am hurting that is the actual transcription, word for word, by the way. <laughs> and I've watched it. It's a pretty good transcription. Can I tell you why I appreciate this? Hmm. 
because one thing that you tend to forget after doing this for a really, really long time is that the people that you're watching are abnormal. They're superhuman because like, oh, I saw Kelvin Benjamin. So Jalen Ramsey, I'm going to look at Jalen Ramsey and I want to say, hey, Jalen Ramsey, I think he's pretty good at football. And I'm going to turn, I want to say, hey, hey, Dalvin Cook, that kid looks like he's pretty, he's pretty fit. Uh, I'm not doing this chronologically correctly, but I'm trying to get to a point here, which is that I appreciate the notion, which we don't think about a lot, that not only do we see these differences between the athletes and normal people when we step back for a moment, that the athletes see that too. <laughs> yeah. And this is also coming from an athlete whose team actually did look like they were effortlessly taking apart the Ohio State Buckeyes. Mm by and beat them beat them handily beat them by 28 points and scored 28 on a quarter in them on them like that's unreal and he's sitting here going this was not easy <laughs> that's i love that i love that he's like no i'm in a lot of pain those are very bad people out there and excellent opponents but he's also like telling you something about the game because yeah. like he his rushing numbers were not great and that's not to say like he had a bad game or anything but like he's kind of revealing like hey if you if you just look at the box score of this game you'll be like wow you know Bama had more rushing yards had more passing yards blah 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 but the reality is most of the game Ohio State said we're not going to let <clears throat> Najee Harris beat us or 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 at least bleed us dry and that led to all the opportunities in the passing game including some for the running backs but like it's an interesting sort of like reveal of <clears throat> yeah he had a he had a bad time running the ball an unpleasant time running the ball but that that meant something for the other phase of Alabama's offense I know that this was not how it was intended but i am enjoying the visual of ryan day going yeah we're not gonna let Najee harris beat us while standing right next to Devontae smith just staring right past him and being like yeah we're not gonna we're not gonna let them beat us on the ground pointedly not looking in Devontae smith's direction no, that guy. Yeah, mean we'll, fucking while. We have to let him beat us. I think yeah. that's the other. That's we the, would prefer to let that guy beat us. That's the flip side. It's the thing it reminded me most in all of those layers of the extremely cool thing that Najee Harris uh, answered as his uh, reply to this guy. The thing that I uh, was thinking the whole time is it reminded me of Sean Livingston for the Warriors when the Warriors were blowing people out by forty points. And winning NBA titles. At one point, somebody asked Sean Livingston, yeah, you guys just have great chemistry. It just looks like there's no effort. And Sean Livingston just snapped his head at the reporter, not angrily, but just in disbelief, and looked at him and said, it is so hard to do what we do. It is so stressful. This is so, I am doing my best and giving maximum effort on every play, and I'm not even mad about this. I just want you to know it's nerve-wracking. And I love that because athletes don't usually show you that. They're like, yeah, yeah, we got this. As opposed to, I am hanging on to the back bumper of this wild ride as hard as I can, and I am barely clinging to it, and I'm one of the best people to do it. Because that's Najee Harris. Najee Harris is best running back in college football this year. Easily. And he's going to make a lot of money playing football 
in the highest form of the sport and he's sitting there telling you yeah this is painful and it's very difficult i love that um at one point the aforementioned Devonte smith uh, was covered by tough borland in the open field at one point ohio state's defensive plan involved uh tough borland covering Devonte smith tough borland probably runs a four six or a four seven and that's faster than any of us or most likely any of you will ever run it's not Devontae Smith. Because Devontae Smith, as far as I can guess, runs like a 2-3. At least that's what it looks like. An effortless 2-3. Tough Borland should have gone back after getting embarrassed in the open field on an assignment he never should have had. Should have walked right back up and squared up with his defensive coordinator. Like even, hey, dude, I like you, but we got to fight. Because you maybe look like that on national TV. I mean, everyone knows it's your fault. Because I'm not supposed to be in the frame with him like that. I might, I might come in and like get you know, pile jump a tackle. Sure, sure. I might do the Keith Brooking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna lead the team in tackles, which he did by the way. He had like 14 total solo and assists. Heart of the defense. Not the guy that you want next to Devonte Smith, who ran over and passed him for his second TD, I believe of three in the first half and over 200 yards receiving. And that was the only half he needed because he got injured and Alabama still managed to pull away easily. 200 I yards. Think, see, I think Ohio State should have just rotated every player in the defensive rotation on Devontae Smith because, like, the, because traditional defense didn't work. Mm-hmm. They, they, He had 12 catches on 14 targets in the first half for 215 yards. So it didn't matter if you were putting a cornerback or a safety or whatever. So I think you should just sort of say like, hey, this will be a painful experience. Part of being a team is sort of sharing the load together. Tough Borland, yes, you're going to take him one-on-one, but also like all the other linebackers, you're going to do that too. Like Pete, Pete Werner, you're going to do it. It's not going to be fun. Your name's Pete Werner. You're not gonna. You're not gonna keep up with him, but that's just how it's gonna go. Jonathan Cooper, you're a defensive end. You're going to cover this wideout. Everybody, just take a turn. I think that would have been a f- the more fair way to do it, and arguably just as effective. That's. I, I think also. I mean, was there anything that they could have done to to win? Honestly, to win. Like, yeah, to win this game. Like to finish with more points than Alabama had? Yeah, I think. How, can I get you to a tie? Can I get you to a tie? How? A tie at halftime? Sure. Sure. Do you think they could have had a tie at halftime? But <laughs> possibly. Sure. I guess. I, could, I guess it depended on like how chatty Bama's coaches were feeling that night, and if they wanted to wrap up all of their analysis after the first quarter or if they wanted to sit down in the locker room do it at halftime okay this is when i knew there was absolutely no chance of any like of anything happening ohio state got backed up by alabama's offense into the red zone and ohio state responded by making sure that they were not going to get beat by Najee harris or that massive offensive line which by the way 
I don't know if it's just the camera work on other broadcasts throughout the year. I don't know if it's the uh, inordinate amount of attention and number of cameras that we get. But Alabama's offensive line, they looked bigger than I have ever seen them last night. <laughs> I don't, like, just thicker, bigger, slabbier, just massive piles thicker, of dudes. Matter. More productive. <laughs> Definitely more productive. They just looked angrier. I don't know if I was watching it and like I don't know if I was watching the fat feed. Like players all look like way huger on this feed. Which by the way, ESPN, I would totally watch a macro a macro feed of everyone made to look bigger. Big That's what head you call big it, the macro feed. Big head feed. The right? funhouse feed. The funhouse feed. The thick boy feed. Just everyone made to look way bigger than they actually are by a factor of like two. But they came out and when they were backed up, they didn't want to get beat by Najee Harris. So they came out with four linebackers. At one point, they were playing a 4-4, which is a big, beefy, super burly kind of defense that like Woody Hayes and Hell was really excited watching. Just naked Woody being like, yes, yes. Woody Hayes and Sheldon Adelson just staring up from hell, clapping. First the Viet Cong, and then the Alabama offense. Oh, yeah, Reagan's there, too. We'll get our revenge. Not Henry Kissinger, though. Not yet. Too busy skating. Too busy doing ollies. But that, when they got when they came out with four linebackers, I immediately thought, oh, yeah, it's done. Done, because if that's your answer, what's Alabama going to do? Exactly what they did, which was isolate Devontae Smith and their fast receivers running sideways across the field. That sucks so bad when you put four linebackers and go, <laughs> try running the ball on us now. And they're like, okay, we'll just run it toward the sideline. That is so mean-spirited. <laughs> we'll just throw it laterally and dare you to keep up. They were motioning cool. Smith across the formation. To get him free one-on-one -on -one against people who had no prayer of covering him. Who, which Ryan Stewart story am I thinking of here? Oh, you're thinking about Ryan Stewart, the former Detroit Lions player. Right, right. But who, who is the matchup that I'm misremembering? Alonzo Spellman. Thank you. Who later had a SWAT-type situation and some mental issues. Okay, okay but yeah. the, but tell this story. Yeah, at one point. So I like half remember Because if you're asking me to defend Devontae Smith last night one-on-one, -on -one, First of all, if I'm in a 4-4, it's going to be bad. Second, I'm going to walk back and tell my coach exactly what Ryan Smith or Ryan Stewart told his coach, Bobby Ross, when he was assigned to do kickoff coverage against Alonzo Spellman at the line. And he looked up, and Alonzo Spellman was crying and shaking with rage and looking at him and going, They got her. I'm going to get you. They got her. They're, I'm going to get you. And he called timeout in the middle of an NFL game, walked over to Bobby Ross and said, I'm not doing that. Just took a seat. Bobby Ross was like, you have to go out there. I and he's do like, not question this decision. No, he said no. He's like, I'm not facing that man. Whatever he's going to do to me, it's not worth this paycheck. He was out of the league shortly after that. That's me against Devontae Smith. It's just not happening. It was I, good, though. I guess. I cannot. I, yeah. I, I Look, there, I think they're like Seth Galina had a good piece at um, PFF about how about how Ohio State's defense got cooked because they like basically stayed in base the whole time. And the thing that they should have done to give themselves a chance would have been to like put a nickel back on the field more or provide more help or just like do anything different than sort of what they rolled out all season uh, with cornerbacks who like are not, are, are just not up to like being put on an island all game against this Alabama offense. Um, I think on the other side of the ball, like, I don't know, it felt like, 
it felt like Ohio State was not interested in doing anything that interesting itself. Like they they had a little bit of good tight end movement um, early in the game, but it, it, there was there wasn't anything where you sort of felt like oh they know that they have to do something different to win this game, whether that's like one drive that's got a lot of tempo, whether that's like a fake, whether that's, you know, sort of like going for it deep on first. A lot of it felt very sort of constrained and regimented almost. And that just doesn't seem like a thing. Like you look at the old Miss game. Sticking to to the rubric for the sake of the rubric. Yeah. Like it, it didn't feel like the offensive game plan for this, for Alabama, was that different than the offensive game plan for Penn State. And that's a mistake. Like, it just is, especially once Trey Sermon went out early. Like, that to me was the place where you probably should have said, okay, we are not going to win this game trying to run the ball 30, you know, trying to run the ball 30 times and throw the ball 30 times. Like, we're going to have to try something different. And they didn't really do that. They didn't even take the kind of chances that you might take as an underdog. Right. You know? What wasn't a whole lot of fakery, wasn't a whole lot of, wasn't a whole lot of like trying to steal a possession, right? Because you're right, like you're completely right, Ryan. Um, you know what they could have done though? They could have had Justin Fields run a fake punt. <laughs> <laughs> I think he has some experience doing that. Did they have Bama an available not kicker to lose as their lead blocker? <laughs> he could have used a kicker as a lead blocker. Let's get real weird. Fold space time in on itself. I, uh, know, I I didn't pay a whole lot of super close attention to this game. Like, my heart has not been in this college football season at all. And it's like, oh, it's over. That's fine. Um, yeah. But, yeah, for me, I had the sense that Ohio State, like Najee Harris said, they were determined to take him out of the equation. And you got to choose one or the other. It's either, it's either him or Devontae Smith is going to beat you. They made their choice. Ch- and that was that and i think to ohio state's credit the reason they finished number two is they did take one of them out of the game you know that's hard not everyone does that most teams just let both of them run rampant so good job ohio state for yeah doing doing half of a thing it, it sort of makes the sec championship game look even more insane because florida when confronted with the choice of well do you want to take away harris or do you want to take away smith said We'll take away neither. And they, they were within yeah, one score. Exactly. <laughs> I, Ole, so Miss, I, Ole Miss said, not only will we take away neither, we will give you a little bit of, of extra yeah, yeah, so that we can yeah. get the ball back and give more of ours as well. We'll spot you some turnovers, buddy. Uh, after this game, a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, it looks like Notre Dame didn't play so badly. I, like, I'm not going to get into that, mm. I think. I think Bama eased up on the gas against Notre Dame. And I think Notre Dame acquitted itself fine. Like, deserved to, like show that they deserve Both to be on playoff. Both of those things can be true, yeah. Sure, yes. The thing people have not talked about is this result. And granted, like, Trey Sermon didn't play for most of the game. Justin Fields, like, I, I, I genuinely don't know, like, what his level of health and readiness was in this game. And he was, you know, at least healthy for a big stretch of the Clemson game. But, like, watching that Ohio State team, not, like, sort of waiting for it to be like, okay, when is Bama just going to mash the gas pedal and the game's going to effectively be done? How did, like, it makes me look back at the Clemson game and be like, what was Clemson doing? 
how did Clemson really, like look so look like so feckless against an Ohio State team that Bama really did not like Bama didn't look Bama really didn't look stressed. There were times when Ohio State was executing well, but those were not points where you were like, uh oh, Bama doesn't know what they're doing right here. So I'm really glad you said that for one reason. I am up to the end of the twenty sixteen season in my uh long and frequently interrupted quest to listen through our our back catalog and and help create a wiki of sorts and i just finished uh, a couple days before the title game our discussion of the title game following the 2016 season and would you like to guess what the topic one of our main topics of discussion was during that 4440 run up stealing possessions yeah so like not only did it so this is not anything that you know anybody who's watched coach's film room for any length of time will be unfamiliar with but uh, this this should throw it into rather stark relief not only is this not a new concept but our idiot mouths were saying this four years ago yeah about this same exact situation with of course a different result following the 2016 season but we were discussing approaching these games in this fashion in this exact same way four years ago. This is not like, even for us, none of this is groundbreaking, which is part of what makes it so puzzling, right? Yeah. Also, I don't think, just go back to a note, I I don't think the way anybody played in this game is going to affect any of anybody's future. I don't think that Justin Fields is going to rise or fall in anyone's estimates as a quarterback based on what he did against this particular buzzsaw. I still think it would have been absolutely gorgeous if he'd opted out before the title game. I wish he'd done it. Well, let's just play that little alternate universe out. How different would this game have been? I th- I actually do think pretty different. Like, <laughs> you think you no, like yeah, 70 yeah. to 3? No, I, th- I, I like, look, I, Justin Fields didn't have his best night by any means. But like, no, I don't mean like because I wanted to watch Ohio State suffer. I mean because I wish Justin Fields did not have to suffer quite so greatly. I think he yeah he didn't have a very good time, and I don't think he was you know how's this? It's very safe to assume that he was not one hundred percent physical. Sure. Yep. But like Jason's also right that like the whole thing is clouded in so much bullshit and question marks, and that's none of that is to say like this is an asterisk title. No. Like, I don't think anybody walks away and says, well, you know, Bama didn't really. No. Bama 100% earned the national championship. Deserved based, you know, even entering the game just based on the resume they assembled all season long and the ease with which they just fucking thrashed teams. This this was a team that, you know, had to play an all-SEC schedule, which most Bama teams obviously don't, and ended up being the first undefeated, the, the first undefeated team in Tuscaloosa since 2009. Like, none of it is a question of if Alabama deserves this this honor or not. But it's really, at the end of it, it's really hard to make judgments, which is why I find it so interesting that the coaching carousel kept cranking the way that it did. Like, I don't know how you can really honestly look at the job anybody did all season long and say, yes, I know that this person did a good job that that person did a bad job because you have no context. Even, even when it comes down to players, it's like, okay, this quarterback didn't play the way you wanted to. Did he even get to like practice with his receivers? Most of the time was his offensive line constantly getting changed out because of COVID restrictions. Like 
the the circumstances of the experiment changed so wildly and in such unknown ways that it I, like man good luck to everybody coming out with their top 25s for next year because i don't know how the fuck which by the way did you well, that, that, we, that part's easy did you did sure. you see that we were, i don't remember if it made the show but we were joking before our sunday night show of making our sunday night recording show our preseason top 25 to drop before the title game and we had ha 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 a funny moment about that and then mcmurphy dropped his at halftime <laughs> we have never told a joke on this program yeah that's often a yeah <laughs> i feel like athlon gets that out like a week before the title game every year yeah. but i mean it, it, bama clemson georgia ohio state right. etc so on yeah. uh, i'm really looking forward to the draft <laughs> oh yeah. god I mean, for it's, one thing, it is happening literally during half of the Division One season. Okay, so that's, that's pretty fucking weird. New Mexico State will be done by then. New Mexico State's still undefeated, by the way. Um, but, yeah, uh, really good luck to those teams picking after, like, 10th who need a quarterback. This is – I'm glad that you said that because it kind of stacks on top of something Ryan was saying. Do you guys remember back at the beginning of the season when the general consensus seemed to be, okay, this season is going to be a mulligan for everybody. And of course, South Carolina proves that that's not the case. Right I mean, the Southern has fired the mm-hmm. coach after well, week one. <laughs> Shit. Well, uh, that needed to happen a long time ago because his ass shouldn't have been hired. But sure. They were at yeah. the top. Be yeah. that as it may, the point I'm trying to get to is this. <laughs> We spend so much time in this in in this industry, so much energy, so much bandwidth trying to gin up reasons that things happen. And I I'm kind of where Jason was. I had a I had a really I I don't want to say I had a really hard time sticking with the title game last night because I didn't mind that I had that I was not able to stick with the title game last night it didn't really matter to me and i don't think i'm the only one in that boat and here's what i mean by that this season more than any other underlined what i think is one of the great unspoken truths about this sport south carolina was always going to fire will Muschamp. champ the pandemic wasn't going to change that why because they wanted to you know why does dj durkin get another chance you know why? Why is Sark the why is Sark the pick at Texas, uh, despite being one of the least Texan dudes on the market? But we're gonna we're gonna tie ourselves in knots, and our our colleagues all across the industry are gonna tie themselves in knots, trying to come up with quotes and and anecdotes and data to justify all of this after the fact. When I think a good majority of the time. And this season has thrown it into sharper relief than ever before. The answer is we just wanted to, and we could. So we did. What are you going to do about it? That is also why I find the... um... That's what's driving most of the draft. Yeah. That's what's what's driving most of the coaching carousel. That's what's driving uh, most of the midseason decisions. And it's... we, We lost a lot of the frippery and a lot of the the valances that we string in front of this stuff year after year like as again as an industry when 
uh, I mean, you guys have all spent time with Godfrey. You've all spent time with coaches. You've all spent time with people who embed with coaches more frequently than the four of us do. Uh, they're just going to do what they want to because That's... they have never been in a situation where that has been unavailable to them. You think they were going to let this stop them? I did for a minute. I feel pretty stupid about that now. I think that's also like the better, the more accurate summation of like the finish line aspect of this leading up to the, to to the championship and after it, like there's this, there's this sense or there, there's this statement that gets put out a lot that like, look at what we overcame and look at what we did. Yes. And that's not to suggest that any of this wasn't hard. It was, but to me, Overcoming an obstacle or like completing a task successfully puts on the table a, a failure state where you don't do that thing, where you can't do that thing. And the neat trick college football pulled, they pulled two neat tricks this year that are old tricks, frankly. One, they never laid out what the failure state would be when they said, we're going to come back to play and we don't know how it's going to go. They didn't have to say, if X happens, we're, we're stopping the season. If Y happens, we're pausing the season. And this is the same thing. Like, they're not alone in this. This is the same thing that's going on in the NBA right now is they're, like, having to cancel game after game and change their protocols, whatever. But, like, if you don't say, you know, like, running a four-minute mile, let's say, is a hard-ass thing to do. And you either do it or you don't. If you finish at 405, you didn't run a four-minute mile. But if you just make your goal this hazy completion thing then you can kind of not get too in the weeds of like how you did it. Because the other neat trick college football pulls is that this is the biggest sport where the largest constituency responsible for it, the players, has no voice whatsoever. And that's not new to this year. That is baked in to the process. And there are a lot of like clever reasons that that gets tied into that. Like, FERPA and HIPAA get get trotted out whenever they're convenient. Coaches say it's just team policy. We're not letting players on social media. Uh, We don't let our coaches talk, so we don't let the players talk. And I, at the end of it, I find it really hard personally to determine how I feel about this season because I don't know how the players felt about it. Like I know that the commissioners and the broadcasters, and the coaches, and the bowl organizers, and the playoff committee, I know that they say it was a success. I know that they felt they did a good job. But if this were any other story, if you were talking about um, labor conditions at Amazon, and you just talked to management, you did a bad job. If this were about, you know, um, complaints about sexual harassment within within a company and you just talked to management you did a bad job and that's not to say that our colleagues in this industry have fucked up it's that it's all part of a system that prevents that side of the discussion from even happening like the daily beast ran a piece that was grappling with the same topic but did talk to a handful of players on an anonymous basis but even then, it's like they talk to, I think, five or six, only only power five. And like when you think about the number of people, the number of students who play college football and to have so little of a window into what their life was like, how empowered they, they felt to make decisions, 
how supported they felt, how happy they were. I mean, like, shit. Mike Bobo said when South Carolina was going to take a, a bowl game at 2-8 and eight or whatever the fuck they were, he, he made the mistake of saying the quiet part out loud. He said, this is the SEC and we don't vote on those things. We don't let players vote on those things. And that was a big no-no. Media came after Mike Bobo very hard for that. And before long, look at that. South Carolina decided, oh, yes, we are going to let our players decide at the end of the bowl season. Um, and they decided not to play. That's fine. The problem is, I couldn't tell you what level of democracy, input, feedback, whatever you want to call it, oversight, happened at any other level of the sport at any other point. We started this thing with the Pac-12 players movement, which got turned into the we want to play movement. And since then, we have basically heard nothing from the people with the worst side of the risk to reward ratio in the sport. So I don't know how I'm ever going to feel about the season because the powers that control the thing have prevented me from getting any perspective from the people who matter. Yeah. And the people who matter, the limited perspective that we have heard, there was a piece in the guardian uh, written by a professor at Duke who uh, has a sideline as a, someone who writes about amateur athletics i'll get you the name in just a second note these outlets too this is coming from this is coming from the daily beast and this is coming from the guardian because to a large extent the biggest swaths of our colleagues from the biggest companies uh are actively or passively prohibited either outright by their managers or by threats of withholding future access and thus their livelihoods uh, this gets even worse if you're at the beat writer level. Uh, they're prevented from doing this kind of work. Yeah. And uh, because who knows, you might, you might lose an interview with um, Debo Swinney. I have been, yeah, I, I never ran up against this too many times uh, because I was never important to run up against it too many times. But I remember being told at Sports Illustrated, Alabama keeps the lights on. Yeah. And... We were we were going to report the story one way and uh and that's that yeah it fucking sucks. The article's written by Nathan Common Lamb, Derek Silva, and Johanna Mellis, and uh, quotes from players in it um, are jarring and really like really hard to read at certain points where you just. But you it's just... important that you do because it's important that you under it. It really helped me. I mean, I know why. I know why they feel like they can't say this shit themselves online. Because I know what happens to them online after they do that. I know what they get tagged with uh, by these. Mm, I don't even have an adjective for the folks that uh, run the NFL teams. That's a whole other barrel of squirrels. But reading these quotes uh drove home even for somebody who's lived with this for over a decade drove home uh pretty hard why why your players on your particular team if they're feeling this way uh may not feel empowered to use their own platforms to say this themselves an sec player put it bluntly it's bullshit i have family and friends too you know Coaches are able to go home to their families at night, and I have to go back to my dorm on an empty campus. The fact they wanted us, 
on campus over Christmas is messed up. I love I love football, but that's messed up. I want to see my family and friends. That's the kind of thing the players went through this season. So if any of them got to the end of the year and didn't want to go to a bowl or opted out or maybe didn't give their best performance in a bowl game nobody particularly wanted to play besides the administration and maybe the coaches, yeah, I, I, I get it. Support it. Actually advocate for it. Because that's the other thing when you go, well, we, we didn't define any goals. Ryan said we didn't define any goals, so we couldn't be accused of failure. The end of the season, there were like 30 ends to this season. There, there were 30 different kinds of season, and they all ended differently and strangely. Some teams just kind of decided to stop. Like, nah, we're good. Don't need a bowl game. Some teams that had no business going to a bowl game left at the opportunity. Mississippi State, what, won two games before three. the bowl game? Three. It might have been two. I don't know. They finished with three at least because they won the bowl game. They, and they went to a bowl game with, with nobody. With like a, a, a bare-bones roster that otherwise probably would, you know, wouldn't have been acceptable at any other year. And they went to a bowl game. And that to me is when you go, okay, we didn't set any, we didn't set, you know, any standards for what was success. So we can't rightfully be accused of failure. But also because that would mean that people had something to hold up against the choices that we made. When the only reason we ever made these choices was because we wanted to. There is, uh, you pull back the curtain behind these decisions and there's not, in most cases, an intricate web of decisions and sacrifices and priorities reshuffling. There's just impulse and a void. There's just emptiness. Yeah, so if the season felt hollow for you and you had a hard time following along might have been a good reason for that because i think there was a lot of like at the end that that to me the ending is the part where i think it wasn't as if we were on the same page we weren't all on the same page there really wasn't a page and that, that doesn't say oh we're trying to do something unprecedented so there's no there's really no telling how it's going to end for different teams no you're trying to do something that was really kind of a half effort in the first place and I don't say half effort in terms of people not working hard. I say half effort in terms of we didn't even have a plan. And the plan was never about having a plan anyway. 